ओम ज्ञान चिरंजनशलाकया चक्षुर्मीलिताम्यूनतस्मैश्वरवेन reading through the prayers of the personified Vedas. Who has read the prayers of the personified Vedas? It's in Krishna book, towards the end of Krishna Leela, when Shubhadeva Goswami is narrating the pastimes of Krishna to Maharaj Parikshit. So in the course of that narration, Parikshit Maharaj asks uh, uh, a relevant philosophical question. That uh, considering the the nature of the absolute truth is that it's beyond the three modes of material nature. So how can it be described in, by the Vedas, which mostly deal with the three modes of material nature? So in the Bhagavad Gita, Goswami says that, says that the same question was asked of of Narayan Rishi by Narada Muni, and in reply to that, Narayan Rishi cited yet again another. Uh, instance when this question was asked, that the sages on Janaloka, they, in the course of their discussions on the absolute truth, asked this question and they selected Sanandana of the four Kumaras to give the reply. So in reply, uh, Sanandana, he cited the prayers of the personified Vedas to Mahavishnu in which they themselves discussed this subject, uh, in which the conclusion simply stated is that uh, by the mercy of the Lord, He reveals Himself. But it is uh, philosophically a, a very complex section. In, it's quite different in many ways from the rest of the tenth canto of Bhagavatam, which describes the pastimes of Krishna. There's so many leelas are described. In the course of which there are also uh, philosophical discussions, particularly when various devotees offer a lot of prayer. In the course of their prayers, they glorify the transcendental attributes of the Lord, and in doing so, uh, they demonstrate their philosophical appreciation of Him. There are many such prayers to the Lord in the tenth canto of Bhagavatam. Can anyone think of one? Uh, one person can say one each. Can you think of different devotees who have prayed to the Lord in the tenth canto of Bhagavatam? The prayers of uh, Kaliya wives. The wives of the Nada Patni. Even before Krishna was born, the demigods. The demigods prayed first of all to ask him to come and appear, and then when he was within the womb, they also prayed to him. There are many others also. Yes, Akrura, Muchukunda, the uh, Shiva Dwara, the, the weapon of Lord Shiva to pray, and Lord Shiva, Ali Maharaj, and of course we also have in the 10th canto the gopis addressing the Lord, but it's not, but in a quite different mood to that of the foreign reverence expressed by other devotees. So in the various uh, philosophical sections in the 10th canto, especially in the prayers of the Lord, however this section of the, of this, uh, 87th chapter of the 10th canto describes, uh, it, it, it's, it's completely philosophical from beginning to end. And in the course of uh, discussing this question, how can the Lord 
be revealed through apparently mundane sound actually goes very deeply into another important philosophical point, which is whether the Lord is ultimately personal or impersonal. So that is the subject of the verse we read just now from Bhagavatam. Those who know the Absolute Truth describe it to be impersonal, localized, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And uh, this is Advaita, but that means that they are not different. Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, they are not different uh, truths. They are the same truth. So this is addressing the uh, perennial philosophical issue in Vedic India. Perennial? It means uh, it's, it's repeatedly occurred. Mm. So you have perennial plants. Oh. You know, they come up every day. Yeah, yeah. That is the absolute truth, personal or impersonal. You'll find that Prabhupada was constantly preaching on this point. Even in the very early days of this one, he was always uh, condemning the wrong theories of the impersonal. So, uh, Mukunda, of course, when he was present at that time, he told me that um, the devotees, they, they wondered what this was. Prabhupada always turned out the impersonal. They never heard this term, impersonal. So they thought that Prabhupada had some kind of, that he had some kind of grudge against some people in India. But then we see Prabhupada's Pranama Mantra, Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschakadeshatayana. He is, by preaching Gauravani, the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is delivering the Western countries which are enveloped by impersonalism and voidism. So this uh, discussion of whether the absolute truth is personal or impersonal, it has traditionally been discussed in a very sophisticated manner in Vedic India. I'm reading these Acharya's comment, comments on the, uh, the, the verses and it's uh, very difficult, almost impossible to understand what they're discussing. Because uh, to understand it requires uh, deep knowledge of Sanskrit. Even though the commentaries are translated into English, but the, each uh, commentary is describing the different how, how each word is to be understood according to Sanskrit grammar and according to Sanskrit usage. And uh, it also requires a uh, vast knowledge of the different uh, cults within Vedic culture. We talk about karmis, jnanis, and yogis, but each uh, section has got a vast philosophy, actually. And even among karmis, jnanis, and yogis, there are different subsections with, with uh, different philosophical understandings. So the Bhagavatam gives the conclusion, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, Krishna is the original personality project. But to establish that in the face of opposing philosophies, that is actually a very great job. So in the Western countries we also have uh, various kinds of impersonal. And even without the uh, sophisticated elaborations on Vedic philosophy as were previously extant in India, they still have the basic wrong idea. So we find in the Western world, in America, and England, and Russia, and all these places, dreamy impersonals who consider themselves highly spiritual 
and who love everything, and they love Krishna, and they love Ganesh, and they love Jesus, and they love all living beings, they believe in peace, it's very difficult to capture them. They won't focus on Krishna. They say they love everything, but actually they're avoiding, in the name of loving everything, they're avoiding surrendering to Krishna. So, uh, Prabhupada, is, as I said, is very, is very much adamant to discuss this point personalism versus impersonalism. Because uh, even in the Western countries, most people, as I was saying, who think they're spiritual, they're actually impersonal. They're avoiding Krishna. So, as devotees, we're very fortunate that we have the absolute truth clearly delineated in Prabhupada's books, which clearly and unequivocally express that. Krishna is indeed the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And although he has this impersonal aspect, the impersonal aspect is simply the bodily effulgence of his original transcendental form. He is the shelter of the basis of the impersonal that effulgence uh, which emanates from his body, in which are sheltered all the uh, various planetary systems, that is simply his uh, his effulgence, the effulgence of he. That which is described in the uh, Upanishads as the personal absolute is simply his bodily effulgence. So, we uh, are very fortunate to have Prabhupada's book, in which he doesn't, Prabhupada doesn't try to impress us with his philosophical, uh, by, by presenting philosophical, uh, how can we say, subtlety. He doesn't leave anything vague or ill-defined. But he clearly presents on the basis of the Vedic knowledge that Krishna is indeed the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the very uh, complex discussions which are uh, common in Vedic culture, Prabhupada summarizes in a very simple language that we can understand. Uh, so, Prabhupada has made it easy for us to understand, so we should understand. The whole world is misunderstanding. People do not understand what is the purpose of life. And even if people become interested in spiritual life, they mostly get misdirected towards impersonalism, which is actually just another form of mind. As Prabhupada writes, it is the, the uh, attraction to become one, coming one with God is the last snare of Maya. In other words, someone may see the need for spiritual life. They may see that actually material existence and material enjoyment is not all in all. There must be more than this. But if, uh, in the name of becoming spiritually advanced, they seek to become one with God, then actually they are again trapped by the same Maya who they think they are escaping from. We may think we are free, but actually we are trapped still. It's something like the mouse who is caught by the cat. And sometimes the cat sometimes lets his, has captured the mouse and again lets it go. Have you seen how the cat plays with the mouse? It lets it go and the mouse thinks he's free and then the cat again captured. So similarly, the impersonalists, they may even get liberated. Just like the mouse is liberated from the clutches of the cat, but it is not full liberation. <speaking in Hebrew> 
Those who think that they are liberated but who are not taking shelter of you, Krishna, they are still within the touches of Maya. This is from the prayers of Brahma. So it's just like that. They think they're free, but they haven't taken shelter of Krishna. Actually, they're still within the... They're just about to get caught again by Maya. They're free, apparently, but at any moment they're again going to get caught and fall down. So similarly, the uh, it's just like the cat and the mouse. If the mouse is released by the cat, he may think he's free, but he's not. But if some human comes and then chases the cat away, then the mouse can run off free. So in the same way, uh, if we actually want to get free from Maya, we have to take Shandra Krishna. Because we cannot get free from Maya's clutches by our own endeavor. That is the mistake of the impersonal. They uh, want to be, they, they profess to want to, to want to become liberated, but they don't take shelter of Krishna. It's not possible, because Maya is much stronger than the conditioned soul. Just like in a clash between the mouse and the cat, it's not possible for the mouse to defeat the cat. The mouse can only be free by the mercy of a greater power than the cat. So in the same way, the jiva cannot possibly overcome Maya by his own power. Maya is much more powerful. Devi yesha dunamai mama maya duratyaya. What is the translation of this verse? It's half verse. This divine energy of Maya is difficult to overcome. Ah, and then the next two lines, can they answer? In Russian? Maya yekapadyante maya metamtaram today. Krishna says, but one who surrenders to me can easily cross the So, to cross over Maya is not such an easy thing. The whole of uh, Vedic culture is meant for ultimate spiritual elevation. But still, uh, most members of Vedic culture, they are caught on the platform of karma yoga, or even lower, simply karma kanga. And uh, some may be interested, some people may be interested in the direction. But they get caught on the platform of impersonal endeavor. And uh, to understand what is the absolute truth according to Vedic discussion, a very complex subject. Conclusion, according to Vyasadeva Bhagavata, and according to all the Vaishnava Acharyas who are Tatvavit, knows of the truth, because then Krishna is the Supreme Personality, not in Vishwasarya. There's so much philosophy behind it which we can hardly begin to imagine. So we're very fortunate that we have Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita as it is, in which even, through which, even without understanding all these philosophical intricacies in detail, we can understand the conclusion and the essence, which is that Krishna most certainly is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but we should surrender to his lotus feet through the process of Bhakti Yoga, and in this way make our life successful. Hare Krishna. Any questions? Well, as regards to this example with the cat and mouse, mm. if a mouse is uh, trying to uh, to get re- to get relief uh, from the clutches of the cat, then it will uh, it will be running and screaming. Uh, but this uh, spirit will hardly be noticed by anyone. It will only get. Uh, they will only make the cat uh, more angry. So what should he do? Should he endeavor uh, to to get free 
make some endeavors, try to run away, or should he just surrender, surrender to his fate, to surrender to Krishna? And also with devotees, uh, when devotees think that they are serving Krishna, and thus uh, they are liberated, uh, aren't they uh, cheating themselves and, uh, because uh, they are still in contact with material uh, nature through consciousness, <coughs> and uh, they are conditioned still. What advice should we give to a mouse caught by a cat? He's in a pretty hopeless position. You can chant Hare Krishna to him before he is caught up by his inevitable karma. It is an example. As an analogy, it doesn't perfectly give the situation of the conditioned soul. But some aspects of the conditioned soul are therefore has been used as an analogy. In our situation, we should call out to Krishna. As for devotee uh, thinking himself liberated, well, uh, actually a devotee, he thinks I'm the most fallen. To go around advertising, I'm a Baha Bhagavad. It's not a Vaishnava thinks of himself as a servant of Krishna, the Guru, and all the other That is his liberation, because that is the position of liberation, the liberating position one is situated as a servant. But if servant thinks I am dependent upon the mercy of my superior, so if one thinks I am such a powerful devotee, I am liberated, that means actually he's not liberated. Because he's not making it, recognizing his position of dependence upon his superior. Any other question? What prayers uh, should we recite to Krishna from Srimad Bhagavatam? Because Srimad Bhagavatam is so big and there are so many prayers. There's so many. Uh, what would you recommend in our position and how often should we recite them? Okay. You can recite them 24 hours a day. Or you may choose some to, to recite daily or whenever you have time. Prabhupada very much liked the prayers of Kunti Devi. He twice he gave a series of lectures in two different times and places. He gave a series of lectures on the prayers of Kunti Devi. You'll find Prabhupada also chanting, there's that cassette of Prabhupada chanting the prayers of Shukadeva Goswami. But uh, as Prabhupada writes in the Nectar of Devotion, you can choose any prayers and recite them according to your taste. Prabhupada recommended also that uh, prayers of Brahma in Brahma Samhita. One thing I should tell you, you should keep your hand away from your mouth, constantly become contaminated. As soon as the hand touches the mouth, it should be washed, otherwise it's contaminated. He understands the necessity to practice Bhakti Yoga, but due to circumstances he doesn't have much time, sometimes even to chant his rounds, because he had to work hard and a lot to provide for the family and to maintain the family on himself. So what to do in this situation? Pray to Krishna. If there's a will, there's a way. Can you say that any saying in Russian like that? Not exactly. If we desire, it's strong enough, then we'll get the opportunity. 
If we desire, we can we, we can get the position of Lord Brahma. According to our desire, we can become a dog or a cat. If we desire, we can also become Krishna conscious. It's understood that it is difficult in the modern age. We're not denying that. But we have to pray to Krishna. Krishna will help us. We have to make our endeavor also. Just like I was saying, by desire, you can become Lord Brahma. That doesn't mean you just sit down one time and say, I'd like to be Lord Brahma and automatically convert into Lord Brahma. But the desire has to be uh, matched by one's endeavor. And then, uh, having attained the qualification, then the Lord may give us the opportunity to go to Lord Brahma. Uh, Gita, Krishna says that whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state of being he attains without doubt. Uh, so the question is, to which extent uh, it is in our power to think about Krishna at the time of death, or this is controlled also by Krishna himself? If we seriously practice devotional service to our life, then Krishna will certainly help us. Krishna is not an ingrate. Krishna wants to help us. Krishna will help us. We should also, as much as possible, uh, try to arrange to, rem- to remember Krishna at the time of death. That's why in old age we recommend devotees to go to Vrindavan or Mayapur, Mayapur and then uh, if, if we've been practicing devotional service throughout our lives, then suddenly we'll have many devotee friends who are, who are very grateful to us for the help we've offered to them at various times. So some of such devotee friends, if not other devotees, they may uh, be kind enough to chant Hare Krishna when we are not physically capable of doing so. But to be present when we leave the body and they'll be chanting. We should serve Krishna with full sincerity, with the faith that surely Krishna will look after me. If we're thinking how I can do nonsense all my life and then somehow or other at the end remember Krishna, we're not likely to remember Krishna. But if we sincerely try to serve Krishna, then we don't even have to worry very much about whether I remember Krishna or not. The best way to serve Krishna is without thinking of my own personal reward. Just thinking how I can best serve Krishna. With the attitude that, and then what happens to me, that is up to Krishna, as he likes. Still, it's good to go to my father in all the to Who is spiritual master and one, why uh, should one accept spiritual master? Who is a spiritual master? A spiritual master is who teaches about Krishna according to the Prabhupada system. Uh, anyone who teaches about Krishna is a guru. But particularly those who uh, impart mantras and who systematically teach about Krishna consciousness uh, and give initiation there. But why should one accept a guru? Well, without accepting a guru, one can't understand Krishna. And we say, why not? And the answer is, well, that's the system that Krishna himself made. You have to go through the proper channel, through the proper system. If you want to meet the prime minister of the country, you you can say, well, I just want to meet him directly. But you can't do that, you have to go there. If you want to have a personal interview, you have to go through so many secretaries and guards and so many things. I'm saying that if you want to approach God, then uh, you have to go through the system. We all have our direct relationship with God. But presently we are in a fallen condition. So God has given this system by which our original consciousness can be revived. What should be our balance 
between uh, spiritual education and endeavors in, in spiritually in our own spiritual education and uh, preaching. Balance should be fixed by intelligence. Both are required. It's very difficult to get an exact and perfect balance. Because Krishna consciousness is a dynamic activity. Especially uh, preaching means we have to do so many things, we have to meet so many people, and you can't always do everything exactly according to the schedule. So we should have a basic schedule of sadhana, but we should be flexible also, willing to adjust. One devotee, uh, when someone leaves his body, left his body, um, can we chant after he left his body, or because his mother is is very old, she likes when she 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 lives in another town, so she goes there from time to time. They chant Hare Krishna together. Uh, he speaks about Krishna to her. She likes it, but she's about to leave her body, and she may come when she she, she left her body already. So. How can he serve her uh, after she left her body? Well, the best thing is if she's going to leave her body any time, is that you bring her to be with you or you go and be with her and, and keep on chanting. At least you can have the tape recorded with continuous project of Prabhupada chanting Hare Krishna. You can chant Hare Krishna afterwards also, but it's better to be there 